0: this episode of the Meta Magic, I'm joined by a gentleman who, according to me, was the next person in line to do live streaming television for Wizards of the Coast and Star City Games. You know him as the man who is on the most popular show on MTGCast. Did really well at a GP recently. I'm talking to one Marshall Sutcliffe. Hey, Robert. Hey, first of all, let's talk about the show. Since that's what you're first known for... How was the transition from Ryan to John? Oh, that was an interesting one actually.
1: Um, you know Ryan and John uh, they both bring quite different things to to limited resources, and uh, it required a bit a bit of an adjustment from my end because I kind of ended up being the glue. you know I was the one that was uh, on one end of it when Ryan was there and on the same end on the other one. When Ryan was there, I was a little bit more. I kind of viewed myself as a facilitator for for Ryan. You know, I, I we made the show, um, you know, kind of with him in mind. And my idea of the show was that I would act as the listener, and I would try to ask Ryan things that I think that they would want to know. And uh, that way, we could. Basically, show off his brain, you know, his uh, his design skills for wizards and just his his uh, knowledge of limited and his knowledge of magic in general. And so, you know, we we settled into those roles uh, fairly quickly, and uh, and that was limited resources. And then when I needed somebody else, you know, I had a few different people come on, and and I ended up uh, bringing John on, who I had met very briefly once, but actually didn't really know him that well before the show. I, I kind of knew who he was, but that was about it. And uh, him and I have different a much different role than than ryan and i did uh, him and i have a more equaled out role where we're, we're kind of bouncing ideas off of each other and uh, i tend to take the role of the uh you know i guess the the one that's trying to keep things solid and and deliver sort of the the base plan to the listeners and john gets to go out on a limb a little bit and, and get more creative and he's very good at that and uh yeah so it's been nice though because uh I think the show's morphed into something different, but I, I like it just as much as I did before.
0: The question in regards to that is, is Wizards of the Coast going to allow you to have all three of you on for our show? We did, actually. Uh, I had
1: a, a, an awesome opportunity to have ryan on as a special guest on limited (laughs) resources and it was a little funny you know like i mean i did the show with him for for quite a while we did 90 plus episodes together and then to have him come on uh you know for an interview as a guest was was a real kick Uh, i have to say it was kind of the the full circle on everything that happened with him getting hired and, and everything working out with that and uh yeah, I mean, I, I try to have I, I told him I'd have him on as, as often as he was able to, but he has to get things cleared with uh, with Wizards, you know, he can't just hop on whenever he feels like it.
0: Um, but I'm sure he'll be back again. Now that your show is number 1 on the MTG Cast network, what is next for the show?
1: That's a great question I which which I ask myself fairly often. Um, you know, after Ryan left, I was kind of up in the air. About what to do with the show. I certainly enjoyed doing it and uh, we got a lot of great feedback and everything was good with the show, but at the same time, you know, in my mind it had kind of completed its task, you know, and the task was to get Ryan out there, to get him as a community name and to maybe catch the eye of R&D. And so when that, when he got hired, um, you know, I was kind of left with the show as like, well, should I keep doing it? I mean, I like it, but at the same time, there wasn't a big drive for me. Uh, the drive for me was to, was, you know, to push Ryan forward. And after that, I kind of was left holding the, the keys to the car and going, I don't know if I want to drive anymore. And, uh, after John came on though, he really gave me a, a good spark. You know, he's, he's a very excited, excitable guy and, and he really enjoys doing the show. And, you know, that made me think, okay, I can take this, you know, to, to the next level or at least keep taking it forward. And so, you know, what I've been doing recently is uh, just trying to get more focused with the show, like really trying to nail down the things that listeners like about it. Um, you know, we've had a few spinoff things. I do videos um, for for draft videos, and, and I'm going to be doing the coverage and stuff like that. So, you know, it's kind of spread wide. But for the show itself, like, I really like the formula that we came up with originally for it. And I think we're going to leave it – we're just going to kind of let a good thing sit the way it is. I'm not really looking to aggressively change the show or make it into something that it's not. I think that it's serving its purpose now. And uh, so we're just going to keep moving forward. I mean, we're always – John and I are always keeping our eye out for stuff, but uh, we're pretty happy with where the show sits right
0: now. Well, speaking of where the show sits, you have had many guests on. Yeah. Louis Scott Vargas, Tom L, yep. various, various other people. How much has the show given you that kind of connection with the actual players in the community? You know, that's an
1: interesting thing, because the show, it's funny, um... You know, there's this sort of philosophy of, like, build it and they will come, right? And that's kind of what I took with limited resources. I never tried to push the show outward. Like, I was never a big marketer. Uh, My philosophy from the very get-go was, like, I want to make the best content possible. I want to put my effort and energy into doing that every week. And when I mean every week, I mean every week. Like, I want it to be a consistent thing where people can say, hey, it's Friday. Limited resources comes out today, and it'll be there. And then I assumed... And hoped that good things would just come from that you know and th- what that meant was is that i wasn't actually act actively out there pushing the show saying hey check out my show listen to the show you guys got to look at this check this out you know in all capitals on every forum and twitter that i could i didn't do any of that and so the show you know sort of caught a little bit of a listenership and kind of has been growing since and it's taken some leaps and bounds here and there just because of Oh, because of luck in a lot of ways, I got to do the community cup, and I got a lot of exposure for it for there and things like that. But what I've realized is, is that the the really cool thing is, is so I use Twitter, you know, to to contact a lot of people and to kind of become you know internet friends with them. But what I've noticed is, is that when you get a really good thing going, like we have going, I I really believe that we have a good thing going with the show. um, People will come to you. You know, you'll you'll get. I mean, you know not like in a bragging sense, but like Luis asked to be on the show. He was like, I can come on the show and talk about this. And I'm just like, awesome. You know, and I always wanted him on the show. I hadn't really got around to asking him yet just because, I don't know, like I didn't want to bother him, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) But he's like, yeah, I want to come on. And I was like, awesome. And he came on and, you know, BDM was like, hey, why don't we talk about it on the show? And I'm like, sweet, you know, because like I love BDM and like, you know, when, when you have something solid like that, the, the good, the people know that, you know, and, and they'll just, it kind of, things just start to work out in that way, you know, and, uh, and I'm just super happy about it because whenever we get one of those guys on the show, it ends up being such a good time. Like, I mean, you know what it's like. You get to interview people every week on yours. We don't have guests every week, but when we do, you know, we try to really make it a, a fun time and bring them on for a nice, you know, very conversational type thing, it's similar to what you do.
0: You have really allowed your guests to kind of speak what they want to talk about and go into different things that you may not get from either their draft videos or articles or things like that, which provides a dynamic that gets you closer to them. They just speak from the heart. Yeah. With that in mind, out of all your guests, which one was your favorite? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Put you on the spot. Putting me right on the spot, huh? So let me think real quick.
1: I had that guy, I had one of those guys, I had that dude. Oh man, there were so many good ones. Uh one of my favorites, well, Luis was was super fun. I think I think honestly, like I I might be cheating a little bit to say it, but I think Ryan was actually my favorite. Like having him back on the show after having him be gone for a while was it was really great. Like we fell right back into our same old roles, you know, we we didn't have any problem, you know, with with any uh, you know, awkwardness or anything like that. He, he just picked up the reins right where he left off. And, and I think that I have to say that he's probably my favorite. Is there someone you want on that you haven't had on? Oh, there's a lot of people. I mean, uh, like w- one of the people that I really want to get and I've actually talked to him about it very briefly. <laughs> uh, I haven't followed up, but I will, uh, is Ben Stark. Ooh. Yeah, because, you know, Ben S, he's, he's really got the reputation for being just a top-notch, amazing, world-class, uh, limited player. And, you know, that's, that's the focus of the show. And, um, I've actually got a chance to spend some time with Ben just a little bit, um, at GP Austin. Um, I got to sit there and, uh, Draft with him on Magic Online, just basically looking over his shoulder, poking him every once in a while, asking him some questions, and just got to chat with him about it. And I, I took the opportunity just to to listen to what he had to say. I wasn't really trying to be the guy that was, you know, pushing my opinions out there. I just kind of wanted to soak it in and see what he was saying. And uh, I really loved his thought processes, and and they aligned with mine very closely. We have a similar uh, background in gaming. And, uh, he's somebody that I'm looking forward to having on the show someday as well, just because the guy gets so much respect. Um, and he, you know, he, I have a lot of respect for his limited game to the point that when he says something, I'll assume that it's right, um, right away. And there's almost nobody else that I'll listen to in that way. I always have to take it into my, my own thought process and kind of dissect it and then get to my own conclusion, even if that is agreeing with them. But with Ben S, I'm very, I'll I'll usually assume that I'll come to the same conclusion that he does, and that's about the biggest compliment (laughs) I can give.
0: Ben is an interesting character. He loves magic, but he loves, obviously, what you love to do, playing poker more. Yeah. He talked about that a little bit, about how sometimes it's hard for him to turn the magic back on because he's so good at playing poker. Yeah. I will take that question and I'll direct it to you. How hard is it to transfer from a poker mindset to a magic mindset so it for me it's not actually like difficult like i don't
1: have a uh it, it's funny that so there's a lot of translation that happens between the two and some of the things that come of that are not what you would expect <laughs> like i can go play poker and lose a bunch of money you know like a significant you know like an amount that i'm unhappy about losing and not be unhappy about it because i've You know, I'm not a complete robot, but I've been playing long enough so that I can tune out, you know, pretty significant swings now. And I'll play Magic, and if I make a mistake and I lose because of it, I'll get pretty frustrated. You know, I mean, I'm not throwing my laptop over the room or anything like that but i'll just beat myself up about it where (laughs) you know the the consequence of my actions in that case was very minimal you know a few packs or something on magic online where you know we're talking about like money that i would really much rather not lose and so (laughs) it's funny how you know, you make that transition and you think it would be the opposite, where like poker's a high-stress thing because you don't want to, you know, because there's actually money on the line. And then you go to magic and it's just kicked back and relaxes. It's like it's a game, it's for fun. But it, it for me, I, I'm just a highly, highly competitive person, and so, and I'm pretty tough on myself too. So when I'm playing a game, I want to, um, I want to win, you know. And when I don't. Uh, i beat myself up and i don't really equate you know what's on the line it's just the principle of the fact that i lost and uh it's funny because i think i'm a better poker player than i am a magic player still and so i'm a lot more i have a lot more experience at poker i've been playing it a lot longer and so i'm much more confident and kind of you know my thought process is a lot more worked out for that where magic i still feel like i'm I think I'll always feel, but I still feel like I'm I'm in the learning stage, and so uh, th- it's a different approach to each. Who do you listen to for podcasts? Ooh, well, I listen to I actually listen to quite a few. Um, I listen to some poker podcasts too, but but for magic ones, um, I listen to actually quite a few. I hope I don't forget. I listen to yours. I listen to everything you put out. Uh, I love your interviews. Um, I listen to uh, the Third Power, so that's the Cube podcast, and you know I, I consider that kind of like a limited style podcast as well, and you know Usman and. Anthony put that out. I I enjoy that show. That one doesn't come out that often, but I enjoy that. Um, I listen to the a team, you know, that's just good fun entertainment over there. I love those guys. Um, I listen to your MTG taps every week too. Um, I just view it as like a solid sort of like a news source. You know, it's like I, I can get caught up by listening to, to Joey and big head Joe over there. Um, what else do I listen to? Oh, I listen to in contention. I think of all, I think of all the podcasts, the magic ones that I listen to in contention is probably my favorite one. Um, It's it reminds me a little bit of limited resources, except for that it's got a a wide, it casts a wider net. They talk about constructed formats. They'll they'll dabble in limited, but they'll also talk about like history of the game. Cranny'll start talking about um, collectible stuff, and and I I really I really like that kind of stuff. Um, I listen to Monday Night Magic sometimes. Yeah, that's I think that's it. I I mean I listen to more than that, but those are the ones that just come to my head.
0: What have you learned from them that you've applied on the show?
1: Um well that's an interesting question because so uh, without naming names some of the things I've learned are things not to do and okay. I know that probably doesn't sound amazing but it is true you know like I'm always trying to make limited resources better and um I know that I've done some you know done some ideas and some things on the show that didn't work out so when i listen to other shows i'm often listening with kind of like a critical ear just trying to say what's working here what's not like i'm not trying to be like a critic in the sense that like i think i know more than they do i don't i'm the same boat as them a lot of us started at the same time as well you know so we're all just kind of figuring out as we go but i try to say what if i tried this segment on my show you know would that work And if I say, no, that wouldn't work, well, then I've learned something, right? I've learned that, you know, that that wouldn't apply to to my show. So so that's one way, you know, that I do that. Another thing uh, along the same vein that I listen to is I, I listen as and I pretend that I'm just your average everyday listener, you know, I don't have my own show or anything, and I listen to what the people are really saying, you know, the claims that they're making, the things that they're saying, and I try to imagine the accountability involved with that. And I... Take that very seriously for what we do on limited resources, which is, you know, when we say something on the show, um, I expect us to be held accountable for it on some level. And what that means is, is that we're not going to say things that we're not sure about. Or if we're not sure about it, we're going to let you know that. And so sometimes you'll hear on podcast people, you know, get on a rant or a rave and, and they'll, they'll start talking about stuff and they're wrong. You know, like they, they didn't read the card correctly or maybe. They made an assumption that wasn't correct or, or something like that. And, uh, you know, I, I wanna, at least for, for, for LR, I want it to be the highest integrity that we can do realistically. I mean, we're gonna screw stuff up, but, but beyond that, you know, I basically use my critical ear on the other shows and try to apply it to my show too, and I usually find more wrong with, <laughs> with my show than I do the others, to be fair. But,
0: yeah, <laughs> in the interest of improvement, I do that. There's nothing wrong with being honest about it. I mean, everybody learns differently on what they view is essential to help themselves. <laughs> like I said, I've gotten some of the best critiques slash criticisms from people like Mike Flores and things like that. That mm-hmm. just literally will sit down, and say, "Try this."
1: Oh, that's another. I listen to Top Eight Game, Top Eight Magic podcast too. I mean, I guess that goes without saying, but they don't. They they've been pretty uh you know few and far between with their uh with their shows so it's sometimes hard to keep in the front of your head but I never miss one of those.
0: Let's talk about the GP event. You decided to go down there. What was the reasoning behind going there? Uh you're talking about GP Austin? Yes.
1: Yeah so um this year and at the end of last year I made it so I've been getting um I feel like uh my magic game has come along uh to the point where I'm ready to start tackling these big events. I had played in two gps or one gp before um that was a local one up here and uh i wanted to so i decided that i wanted to start traveling a little bit and uh and playing in some more gps because i really felt like my game was was ready to start doing it so i went down um to san diego last year with john and zaym and everybody and and uh i didn't day two that one i came close but i did not and i had zero buys and so i kind of learned my lesson and I earned a couple of buys for the next season. I've got two buys, and uh, and and so Austin was part of that. I, I wanted to to go. To, I've never been to Austin, so that was one of the reasons. But also because it was limited, and uh, my main reasoning for going was because I wanted to win the event. <laughs> so I went down there, um, and I opened what ended up being a pretty wacky sealed pool. I, I had done a bunch of sealed in preparation and I had never had a deck like this, so I was pretty nervous going into my first match, but I managed to to write it to an X and two finish so that I day twoed that thing. You got a feature match? Were you nervous at all? No, um I wasn't nervous. Uh it it was uh when you hear your name over the loudspeaker, it's a you know you're just it's a fr- it was my first round of the GP because I was coming off my buys and <laughs> and you hear your name get called and you're like <laughs> okay and and so Um, I at first thought I'd be a little bit nervous, but I actually wasn't. Uh, I was totally fine. I was just very focused. I I wanted to make sure that I played my best. Um, You know, being on limited resources and playing a limited match on on camera means that (laughs) making a mistake is going to be – I probably would not hear the end of it.
0: (laughs) Were you concerned at all about making a mistake?
1: Um. I don't think concern. I mean, I didn't put any extra concern. I mean, sure. Like I was aware of it, like just, you know, I just made sure that I really took my time and just and just planned out each play beforehand and, and that I didn't just miss something stupid, but I wasn't I was fine. Like I was pretty comfortable. Um my my I was really just more nervous about if my deck was going to work <laughs> cuz it, it was very weird deck and uh <clears throat> I I mean, it could have easily been the case that I tried out, I I built this deck kind of on theory, and then I try it out, and it doesn't work, and I go, oh, two drop, and I'm like, yeah, that didn't work. (laughs) So I was a little more worried that the deck was just going to be a complete dud than I was about, like, how I was going to play. I was pretty confident in, in my play.
0: You got to go in the booth with BDM. What was that like?
1: Oh, dude, that was awesome. Yeah, so I actually got to go in there twice, which was fantastic. I, uh... So I, so talking about the nervous thing, I I still wasn't, I I don't know why I probably should have been, but so I, I went up to my feature match area and, uh, Nate Price, you know, he, uh, does coverage for wizards and and I got to get to know him at the, uh, community cup. He comes up and he's like, Hey, so we're going to do your feature match on the camera. And he's like, and then after BDM wants to talk with you in the booth and he's like, is that okay? And I'm like, that is okay. (laughs) I will do that. But at the same time, like he says this right before I'm about to go into the, into the thing to do the feature match on camera so i was just piling it on you know because now i'm like i don't even know what we're going to talk about in the booth at this point right he's just pulling me in there but anyway yeah i got to go in there and uh it was sauce i mean the thing is is that you know when you're in the their level of stress i have this weird switch Same thing when the mics go on for the podcast. Like, I just turn into this different mode. Like, it's not that much different than my normal self, but where I just get into this sort of broadcaster mindset or something, and I can just talk. Like, I can just talk, 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 and, you know, and, and just make that work. And I gotta say, when you're in the booth with somebody like BDM, he makes it really easy. You know, like, he doesn't leave you hanging, he doesn't sit there and like, you know, ask you these questions that don't really have an answer where you're like, I don't know how to answer this. You know, he's like you. Like, you know, he makes it easy on the guest where he asks something that's interesting. He's not throwing you softballs, you know, but at the same time, you know, he makes it so that you're able to uh, to hang in there and, and, and having him in there made it a lot easier for me. But it was great. We got to talk about limited resources on there and tell a few stories. And I just had a lot of fun with it, to be honest. Like, I wasn't nervous or anything. Your relationship with BDM, talk about that a little So, uh, BDM, you know, he's just one of the genuinely super nice guys out there. And, uh, I mean, I've, I've known who he was for a long time. Um, I had briefly chatted with him on Twitter, um, a few times, but you know, he's a busy guy and, you know, he's, he's just sort of this pinnacle of the magic community. And, you know, I had kind of poked at him a few times, but you know, we weren't like friends or anything. And, um, And then I went to uh, PAX last year, you know, which is held right here in Seattle where I live. And he was out here for that. And I had been uh, putting on Twitter a few times about maybe getting a draft going or something like that. And it was kind of funny because he had seen that and and we had kind of pinged back and forth a little bit about, hey, maybe a draft or something. I don't know. And um, after the festivities, um, I actually just got a phone call on my phone from some number I didn't recognize and I answered. And it was BDM. And I'm like, Oh, hey, <laughs> like this is kind of cool. And he had, I think, uh, John gave him my number or something. And it was super awesome because he's like, Hey, are we drafting? And I'm just like, you bet. Like I never say no to a draft. And we actually made that into a joke. So I met up with him and, uh, we did a draft in the hotel lobby with a bunch of cool people. And, uh, and we hit it off there. You know, we got along really well. And then, um, a little while later, I took a vacation to New York. And, uh, I let him know that I was going to be there and he was like, well, do you want to draft while you're out here? And I'm, you know, he invited me to go to like a draft in a bar with a bunch of really cool people again. And I super appreciated that because I was out there for like a week and I didn't get the draft and I was pretty, (laughs) I was pretty much dying to draft. So I got to hang out with him out there and he recommended some restaurants and he was just super nice there too. And then, yeah, you know, and I've been talking to him online ever since and I had him on the show and then, uh. Yeah, and and so we just you know became buddies through that, and then uh, yeah now I'm going to be doing coverage with him this weekend, so I'm like super excited. Again, you know he makes being in the booth a lot easier just because he's so professional and he's got so much experience at it.
0: Well, like I said at the beginning of the show, I believe I was said to you that Wizards of the Coast would be coming for you next with regarding coverage with the opportunity to do coverage at Seattle. You were a little nervous. You're preparing for it. What's your thoughts and plans for it so far? So that's going to
1: be my first, um, you know, full, full announcing gig. I've never done anything on video in my life, but then again, I've never done a podcast before this either. So I just make stuff up as I go, you know, the altars. I never painted anything. I just figure it out and I'm going to do it with this too. So I'm not nervous now. I'm sure I'll get a little, you know, a little butterflies or something um, before I go in there, but, um, you know, I'm actually just more excited about it and uh that's not my normal style. Normally I do get nervous for stuff, but I I feel good about it. Like I'm not I think it's going to go really well. I think I'm going to have a fun time. I'm I'm going to screw up some stuff for sure, but I'm very uh focused on making it the best that it can be and I've been asking people in the magic community um, as I lead up. What I'm trying to do is kind of get my baseline stance, you know, like how technical do I want to be in the booth? How uh do I want to you know, call out players if they make a mistake and say that was definitely a mistake or do I want to be the guy that kind of tippy toes around it and says, well, maybe that wasn't the all time bet, you know, and I'm trying to figure out where I want to stand on these things. And I've been asking a lot of players that I respect in the community, um, for opinions and i I'm definitely starting to get there. I, I really want to talk to BDM and the coverage team about it as well. I'm sure I will, but, uh, I'm just excited. I mean, it's my, it's, it's bittersweet. Um, I don't get to play, you know, and uh, playing in my in my home GP would be super awesome. But when I really weighed out the decision about do I want to do coverage or do I want to play, the coverage wins out very easily, actually, because the fact is, is that there's so many GPs now. I'm not covering all of them. I can go to another one. Uh, the difference is, is that I have to fly somewhere, but I don't mind. And it, it's well worth it for me to get to play in one of these things. Um, but doing the coverage is like a unique opportunity that not everybody gets, and I think it 's just going to be super fun so like overall i 'm just all positive and excited about it with a hint of a little bit of nervous but and a lot of like I really want to make sure I get this thing I want to do it right you know like i'm i 'm putting myself into this situation where uh I feel like I want to get this the way that it should be and the way that the list that not the listeners me, the viewers actually want it to be. And so that's going to be my focus for the first few um events that I do is just getting it to be where I think the baseline should be and then I can go from there.
0: How did they contact you to do this? I mean obviously this had been in the making for a while. I thought they didn't contact you like a week ago and say, Hey, how would you like to do GP Seattle? They obviously contacted you before that.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't really know what goes on, um, behind the scenes there as far as this stuff, but the, basically the way it went was, uh, at least from my perspective is, so I went to GP Austin, like we talked about, I went in the booth with BDM and I did a little segment with him, um, but that wasn't coverage, that was just that we were talking about the show and about limited, and then I was out of there, and, uh, I made day two, I had a, a good day two, I 2-1, both of my drafts, and I, and I finished, um, you know, in the money or whatever, and, and, uh, so that was nice, and, after I finished, I bumped into BDM and he's like, hey, how'd you finish? And I said, well, I don't know what my place is, but I two won both drafts and, you know, I should be, I should be top 64 and I'm pretty happy with that. And, you know, it was the biggest run I'd had of, and it was my third GP. Anyway, and he's like, he's like, do you want to come in and sit with Rich and I in the booth for the quarterfinals of the top eight? And I just looked at him. <laughs> you know, just like, like, I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. I was like, Yes, I would like to do that. Like, are you kidding me? Right? So I'm just like, this is so awesome. And then uh so I got to um actually sit behind uh Raphael Levy, who made that top eight and eventually won that GP, and I got to watch him do his entire top eight draft, like every single pick, and it was really, really cool. And uh and then I got to kind of give you know some insight into what his deck was like and what was happening with it uh while we were in the booth. I got to do the quarters and the semifinals with uh with Rich and BDM, which was just a complete thrill. I mean, it was just so fun, and especially because I was just making it up as I went. I mean, I never, you know, I didn't even know I was going to be doing it 10 minutes before or something. So it was really, really cool. I had a great time with it, and I think it went well, too. And afterwards, um I was approached by the uh content manager, and not content manager, what is it, coverage manager for Wizards. His name is Greg, and, and he came up and he said, Hey, he's like, uh, would you be interested in doing coverage for us? And I was just like, are you serious? And he was like, yeah. And, I was, and he gave me some details and stuff, and I uh, I said, absolutely. And he said, okay, I'll contact you uh, when we get home because he lives out here in Seattle, too. And and we got the ball rolling from there, and that was it.
0: That's a pretty doggone good story. <laughs> You're telling me. Wow. Talk about a trip that was worthwhile. Not only did you get your pro points, you got your money, you got on coverage, and you got bonus coverage from it. Yeah, it was a very, I came home with a big smile on my face on the airplane ride on that one, I'll tell you. Uh, You may not have, quote, won the GP, but you won the GP. (laughs) I I, I felt that way, too.
1: (laughs) I was like, I ran really good all weekend
0: in many different ways. So, yeah, it
1: was fantastic.
0: The only thing I have to ask is, as you've seen with the coverage, it is brutal to people in the booth. There's no remorse or care, even though that, People like yourself, we're real people. We have thoughts and opinions on things. Are you ready to handle the critics?
1: Yeah, I think so, and and I agree with what you said. I mean, people are very, very harsh on the people on the booth. Everybody thinks they could do a better job. Um, you know, I have to say, that, so I, I've learned this... Um, It's not easy, but I've learned this uh, through a few different ways. First off, is a podcast, but I have to say we're we're extremely lucky with the podcast because we've just gotten mainly very positive things. We've had a few people say things, but, I mean, your average Internet troll will come up and say anything is awful, you know, and we just don't get that. The listeners of our show tend to be very cool people. They're laid back. You know, they'll say, hey, I like the show, but they're not, you know, they're not super. It's just, it's a very... It's a very good relationship that we have with the listeners, and I, and I love that. Now, I also do videos over at MTGO Academy, and I do a weekly draft video for them, and I really enjoy doing the videos. Um, but one thing that you have to realize about draft videos is that, A, they're difficult to do. Um, you know, it's hard to talk and play at the same time. And so when you make mistakes, which I would probably make whether I was talking or not, to be honest, but uh you will get called out. In, in the comments, they'll say, you should have done this. You should have done this. Oh, my God, how did you not see that play? You should have done this, you know. And it can be discouraging because it feels like direct criticism. Now, I had to take a, a role very early on. I decided that I was going to take, I was going to answer the comments. I answer all my comments on on my videos, and I was going to treat them with respect as long as i was being treated with respect so if they took the time to point out a mistake that i made i would thank them for it or say or or if they suggested a, a different line i would try to look into it and say yeah you're probably right you know because one thing that i pride myself on is that i i can be wrong and uh, i often am and i can take criticism now when it comes to things like in the booth though i've seen the chat and it's pretty bad i mean i've seen people say some just absurd things you know some I've seen people be very mean to people in, in in the booth, like even BDM and Rich, you know, like guys that are professionals and are doing a fine job. And, you know, if you have criticisms of the way they do it, fine, that's fair. They would, they would listen to that. It's just I've seen people just be downright rude and mean. And for that kind of stuff, I usually just take an ignore it approach, approach to that. I mean – uh, it's just really hard to give anybody credibility when their approach to somebody that they don't know or to something like that is just to outright blast them on the internet. It's like, eh, I, I don't take the haters gonna hate mentality. That's not that's not me. I listen to what people say if they have criticisms, and I don't just assume that they're not saying anything. But when they take the approach of just outright being mean, um. I just ignore it, generally speaking, and that's kind of my plan for, for this. I, I just, anybody that, that, whose opinion that I value will take the time to write me an email or talk to me about things in the booth, cause I'm gonna be very open to the criticisms that I receive. I really wanna do a good job with this, and I know that since I haven't done it before, I'm gonna have some, you know, some bumps to work out, but, uh, I think I'm ready for it. Like, that kind of stuff just doesn't bug me. The people that I respect and that I listen to, which
0: is most people, I'll know, and the other people, nah, I don't really care. We're thinking about more coverage. You also have a gig with our friends at Star City Games. Did Evan contact you about doing this? Yeah, he did. Um, they actually contacted me quite a
1: while back, Um that, uh, he said, you know, he had listened to the show and he liked what, what I had done with the show and that he had, uh, you know, heard good things or something. And, and he said, I want to give you a shot, you know, doing the Star City. And I said, Oh, that sounds great. You know, and, and that was something that I've been interested in doing the video coverage for, for anything, you know, for a while now. So I was really happy when they, when they contacted me about that to give me a shot. And then, uh, the Wizards thing actually happened uh, a bit after that. Um so I made sure that, you know, both parties knew <laughs> that I would be doing both and, and they said as long as you know there's not a scheduling conflict it's fine and so yeah, I was able to work that out. Um yeah, you know, I've never actually met Evan, but I hope to meet him at some point. Uh he's uh, he's, he's an ideas guy. Man, this, that guy just comes up with so much crazy stuff over there and, and it actually works. Like, he's one of those people that can visualize something and make it come true and have it actually be cool. You know, it's a very rare thing and, uh, it's pretty inspirational. I, I'm, I really look forward to actually meeting him because as of now, you know, I've emailed with him and stuff, but <clears throat> I kind of want to talk to him. So <laughs> I hope to do that sometime.
0: He is one of those people in magic that magic really needs because, like you said, he's an idea person. But he throws out a thousand ideas, and if only one of them work, it really works. Yeah. I was very fortunate when I, when I was at Worlds to have dinner with him and Trick Jarrett and Adam Staborsky and Dave Stells, and Adam's lovely wife. It was fascinating to just sit down with those kind of minds and get opinions on just everything. And a lot like you did with Ben when you were watching him draft – Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of that meal just sitting there listening. Yeah, I bet you you got a lot out of that. And also, Evan is very giving of his time for being as busy as World was. I mean, there wasn't a time where he wouldn't change things around or point me in the right direction. And that's just, it's really good when you meet one of the good people in Magic. Yeah, no, that's really great, especially with how busy he is. I mean, he
1: gets, I'm sure he's constantly hassled for some amount of his attention at all times, and that's pretty cool of him to give you some time like that.
0: Well, one of the nice things about Magic, if you want to talk about the two faces of Magic that aren't, quote, professional players, between him and TSG, the two of them are just willing to give their time to do whatever it takes to help you get better. You know, you have a relationship with him, too, because of that through Luis. Those are people that when you get an opportunity to talk with them, sit down with them, it's just, it's fascinating just to hear what comes out of their minds.
1: Oh, for sure. I, I'm a big TSG fan. Um, I've got to hang out with them a few times now and he, the guy's just awesome. I mean, uh, like I'm looking for him to, to pick up some type of a role in, uh, uh, coverage or something. Like he, he's just such a good talker and he knows the game. He knows the history of the game. He's been around, you know, he's not, I mean, he has like a very, very deep knowledge, you know, of uh, of magic, and I think that that stuff would translate really well, especially with the way. I mean, have you ever seen him do an interview? Like, he's very good at doing interviews, you know. And uh, I saw an interview that he did with uh, Mark Purvis, and also with uh, Morrow, and man, he just like I'm, I'm a I'm I'm a definitely a big TSG fan. I really like that guy.
0: One of the things that's about him that's really neat is. Wizards says you have to keep the questions within a box. And one of the things that he does really, really well is, you notice he never has, I mean, he has his little pad out for the show, Mm -hmm. but it's only for pictures, cards. Yeah. All the questions he comes up with, I mean, yeah, he has an idea what he wants to ask, but he does a lot of his stuff on the fly. And there's no pause. There's no kind of where you can see his mind thinking. It's just smooth, transitional, like no problem. Like, this was the question I meant to ask. And this is where we're going next. Yeah. And those are some of the things i picked up from him personally, which would translate really well in the booth. I think he is going to be at Seattle, by the way. Ooh, good. So maybe pulling him into the booth wouldn't be the worst suggestion because I know he, he loves it. He would eat that alive.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what kind of pull I have yet as far as getting people in, but if I can, then he, he would be high on my list for sure. Now that
0: you're going to be a proven commodity in live coverage. (laughs) What's your goal with it? I don't
1: know. I haven't even, like, I just got my goal, (laughs) which is just (laughs) to get on live coverage. But no, I mean, I want to, I want to see where it takes me. Um, I mean, I want to do as many events as I can. I really enjoy traveling. I've really embraced this whole, the culture, the magic part, you know, where you get to see your friends at these events and stuff and see people that you don't normally get to see. And so. Yeah, I just want to see how far I can go with it. I mean, uh, my, my goal, my goal right now is, is fairly humble, I think, in the sense that I really just want to get to the point where I'm happy with how I'm approaching it and where I'm happy with that after the weekend's over that I did a good job and that I serviced the biggest uh, portion of the audience the best that I could. That's, th- those are where my goals lie currently long term with it. I don't really know. I mean, uh, I just kind of want to see where it takes me. Um, there's a lot of different cool, you know, things that could branch off from it. I mean, you know, this is contract work through Wizards, so, you know, there's there's potentially, you know, uh maybe different things with them. Um There's just doing bigger and better events. I mean, who knows, you know. So I'm not really, like, I really want to kind of, I'm very much somebody that likes to get the foundation set before I go do other stuff. I, I don't like doing things for real that I don't feel comfortable doing yet. I'm like that with magic too. Uh, I was like that with the podcast. I, I just, it's just how I approach things, um, in general, which is just that like, I want to get my, you know, my foundation set. I want to be set where I want to be before I really push out and, and, and go for something, you know, cause I like to have that confidence, you know, that like I can actually back up what I'm saying or that, you know, I, I actually feel like, you know, when I'm going to, approach this new thing or this 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 goal that i have that i have all the tools in place to do it and not just walk up to it like well i hope this works out you know so i'm really going to try to work on my broadcasting
0: i guess you could say uh that's that's probably my immediate goal you mentioned at the beginning of the show that you have a girlfriend yep how does she handle the fact that you are a multi-dimensional person that takes away time from her
1: well, th- that's not easy. I mean, she has to be pretty understanding because, you know, th- I'm gone on weekends and then, you know, and I have a lot of just passions. I'll have just a lot of things that are very, very important to me. Those are the things that I've kind of made, you know, very high priority in my life, and uh, they all take up time. So, yeah, she's she's really good about it, though. I mean, like, I ask a lot and she gives a lot, so I'm very lucky in that way. Is she your biggest fan? No. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> um I mean she doesn't she's not into magic or anything like that and so I tell her you know I keep her I probably talk about it too much uh you know she's patient with that sometimes too but um but you know like uh th- this stuff doesn't translate as well for her so like you know seeing me uh you know listening to the show or something doesn't have a lot of context for her like she's supportive of it but it's not like you know, she's not like, yeah, I mean, she's very supportive of me in general. Um, but fan, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that.
0: <laughs> Who is your biggest fan?
1: I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I don't, you know, I don't even, it's funny. Like, I don't, I don't even use that word. Like, when I talk about uh, people for the show, I, I talk about our listeners. You know, like, I don't, I don't view myself in that way. I don't, I'm not really comfortable with that. Like, I just, the people that listen to the show, like, I'm appreciative of them. You know, like, I, I don't really view it in the other direction. Whenever I meet listeners out at a, events and stuff, I'm, I, I just want to talk to them for a minute and just see how, you know, how are you? You know, like, I don't, a fan isn't really, like, something that I'm comfortable with in that way. So, you know, I, I've, people have asked me to sign cars and I always just feel weird about it. I mean, I'm yeah. happy to do it for them, but like, I'm like, really? You know, like, I mean, I do a podcast. It's not like, you know what i mean i'm not like some top professional player or something that's you know actually done something so i don't know but you may be uncomfortable now robert
0: okay (laughs) let me (laughs) face the question then okay who is your biggest supporter okay so uh, you
1: know not to not to keep going back to this guy but it's actually ryan now (laughs) it's really funny because you know we worked hard um, to get the show off the ground together uh but now he's got a completely different role where he, he's a listener and he's a self-proclaimed biggest fan. So I guess I probably should have just said that off the <laughs> get-go because he, he goes on, you know, Twitter and says, ah, oh, you know, but really what he does is he listens to the show for me and he'll give me feedback. And, you know, Ryan and I have, you know, we, I've known him forever and, you know, he, he knows that he doesn't need to pull any punches with me. So when I do something, that sucked, you know, if it's just bad or it just didn't work out, he has no problem saying this didn't work and this is why and this is how you can fix it, you know. And so when it comes to actually putting the work in for the show, you know, for, for John and I, Ryan is definitely the number one guy for that. Like he actively helps improve the show even now, but from the listener standpoint, you know, instead of the co-host standpoint. So I'd say
0: Ryan for sure. I'm really glad to hear that. It shows that a relationship between two people can make a podcast really work. The one thing I've noticed from the beginning of phase two of limited resources Mm -hmm. is that your relationship, as your relationship with John has gotten better, the show has improved enormously by that because you, you talked about that. The interaction you have now is on that equal level of What about this? What about that? It's it's back and forth. It's not you just directing a question at Ryan and letting Ryan be the answer for the question. And I think in that way, it's improved tremendously on that side. I I can't tell you which show I like better because I loved them both. I really did. There's no doubt about it. And each, both John and Ryan bring different dynamics to the show. For sure. But there was never a point of the show that I thought, this just isn't working.
1: No, I agree like cuz John and I actually had a really good chemistry right off the bat and uh but you know we didn't like I said we actually didn't know each other that well when we started the show like it was just you know our, our friend Zane uh you know said he knew that I was looking for a co-host and he said look John's awesome you know and he hooked me up with his email and he said Marshall this is John John this is Marshall talk and and John and I started talking and we got along really well and like you said, you know, I re- I agree with you 100%. I think the show's gotten better and better the more we've gotten. I mean, we're really good friends now. But, you know, when we first started, it was kind of like we were feeling it out, and we weren't 100% sure how it was going to go. And, you know, I told him that from the, from the beginning, but the first show went really well with him, and the second one too, and then it was like, okay, I'm keeping this guy. Like, you know, he has a lot of great insight. He's really funny, and I just love him. Like, anybody that's met John just loves him. Like, you, you can't not. Like, I don't think anybody actually hates john i just i can't really see how that would be possible and uh it's the show gets more fun every single time we do it because we get along so well now we can tease each other and we have kind of some running jokes and a few things you know because we try to keep Limited resources, like an, a source of information, right? Like we're trying to actively improve your magic game every podcast. That's our goal, but we got to have some fun with it too. And, uh, you know, John's a very funny guy and, uh, <laughs> he, he'll, he'll, he always has a way to kind of give me the needle as we say, you know, he always teases me or or makes me laugh or tries to make fun of me on the show. And, and uh, I think it's fun, you know, it makes it uh, our relationship on the show a lot more dynamic, a lot more interesting. And yeah, like he always gets me, but I still appreciate it. You've brought up Zayn twice so
0: far. Yeah. In my opinion, he is one of the underrated personalities of magic because of what he does. Not, Physically playing the game. I mean, he plays very well. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, he's been in the last few pro tours. The guy can play. <laughs> so it's not like he doesn't have the skill to play, but he does a lot of the things that you don't see for hooking you and John up. Tell the people who don't know Zayn why he is so good to magic.
1: Well, so I, I actually agree with you 100%. Like Zayn is, he, he's, he's kind of one of those people that you see him around. But until you actually just sit down to have a conversation with him, it's hard to get a feel for what he's like. And then you sit down and talk to him, and he is just awesome. Like, he is hilarious. He's got a very, very sort of dry but funny sense of humor. He loves telling stories. He's always got something going on and it's it's uncanny the guy knows everybody <laughs> so i mean i 've gone to events with him, and it 's just he knows everybody, everybody knows him because he 's so easy to get along with you know and he's such an he 's a very smart guy he 's a very good player, and it means that you can have conversations with him about stuff you know um related to magic and he can sit there and hang with you on anything, but at the same time he knows the things he doesn 't know, and that 's so refreshing because you know, so many magic players, I think, feel this pressure that they need to know everything or that they need to be good at all aspects of the game. And if they're not, it just shows, you know, like somebody like me who plays a lot, a lot of limited, and I like to think that I have a good understanding of the formats and, and and how to play it. When I talk to people that don't know limited, I can see right through it. You know, I'll have people talk to me and try to, you know, kind of spitball about limited, oh, this card and that card. And, you know, but I'm, I can pick it apart pretty quickly. He doesn't have that. That, that gear doesn't exist. He's, he knows what he knows and he knows what he doesn't know. And it just means that you can have like very productive conversations. And he's a great friend too. I mean, the guys, he's very generous. You know, he will help you out if you need help, uh, with no questions asked. And, uh, he has a lot of integrity as well. I'm a, I'm a huge Zane fan and, and I agree with you
0: 100%. I'd like to talk about your sponsor of the show, Car Kingdom. Oh yeah. That relationship between the two of you has worked out really well because all the time on Twitter, between the regulars of you in Seattle, you're hearing, we're going to Card Kingdom to do some drafts. We're going to Card Kingdom for this, that, and another thing. In your opinion, how has that relationship worked so well for you? Okay, so Card Kingdom, we, we got really lucky,
1: um, you know, they, they were listeners of the show and, uh, had, and randomly happened to hear that we were looking for a sponsorship. They were immediately interested. Um, we had a couple of meetings with them and worked out a deal and, uh, and off we went. And we have not looked back. And I have to say the relationship with them have just been fantastic. Like they are a top notch company. Uh, they care about limited resources. Um, you know, our main contact over there, his name is Dan. And, uh, he's the one that runs the Twitter account, you know, at card underscore kingdom, if you ever see, if you've ever seen that. And Dan is, he's one of those special people that can, uh, you know, he, so his role over at card kingdom is, is managing all of these type of things, and he's so good at it. You know, like, He's the type of guy that I'm very straightforward when it comes to these negotiations and, like, what I wanted for the show. Uh You know, I made it clear from the beginning that this, this show was going to be, at, this, at the time, Ryan and I show, and that that wasn't negotiable. You know, we weren't selling the show. You know, we were letting somebody sponsor it, and he was already one step ahead of us on it. I told him the things that we weren't willing to do for a sponsor. I didn't even have to say it. He said it before I did. You know, things like... Um, you know, censoring the things that we say on the show because of sponsorship reasons. And he was like, we don't expect you to change the show, you know, and, and th- this was the first meeting with him, you know, <laughs> and things only got better from there. They take good care of us. They make sure that, you know, we're happy. They help us out with random things that we need. Um, there's a, I'm going to make a, a small announcement on the show coming up soon uh, along that vein. I can't say it yet, but it's just, You know, when we need something from Car Kingdom, they're right there for us. And I have to say that because the thing is, is that when we are looking for a sponsor, I'm super picky. Like, I will not take a sponsorship from some from like a website that I don't use. Like, I take the integrity of what I'm saying to the listener base very seriously, and I try very hard to not plug things. I don't sit, I mean, plug things that I don't actually believe in. I've had people come up and say, "Hey, can you talk about my?" blog or my whatever on the show. And I'm like, sure, but I have to read it first, because if it sucks, I'm not going to tell my listeners to go see it because they listen to me, you know, and I have some credibility with them. And it can make things a little bit awkward, you know, because it might be a friend or, you know, somebody that maybe you owe a favor. And they're like, hey, I'd like you to mention this on the show, but I'm just not willing to compromise that. So you know, there's a few websites that, that I can use and that I would feel fine about, but I did use Card Kingdom before, uh, I even came on as a sponsor and I always had a great experience with them and so I was very open to supporting that site just because I think it actually is genuinely a good place to buy your magic card. So that made things a lot easier when they came with an offer because I was already like, yes, like I am a, I'm a fan of Card Kingdom already and, uh, that would totally work. And yeah, I, I just, I honestly just can't say enough about those guys over there though. Uh, Damon and John are the owners and, and, you know, they've got a great staff there. And, um, like I said, my main contact Dan has just made things so good for, for limited resources and been so supportive that it makes it easy on us. You know, we can just come in and do the show and we don't have to trip up stuff over our sponsor, you know, and, and that just makes it so much easier to uh to come and do the show because we already put in enough work on the show every week that we don't need the extra overhead of making it any more difficult
0: so so you're not supposed to say when you talk about a specific card to go and you can get that at car kingdom for 7.99 no i mean i don't think they'd hate me if
1: i did that but i just think that that's cheesy you know (laughs) so that's why i don't do it um i mean i'm sure they'd be fine with it (laughs) you know but uh
0: we're not giving ideas here
1: no, I mean, I, I, I've done that on a on a very few occasions, like if something came out later in, in the course of the show, and I said, you could probably get it into kingdom," but it's almost like a half a joke, you know, just a little kind of fun reminder or something, but I definitely don't, you know, do that during the course of the show, but I mean, I could, you know, like they wouldn't mind it, it's just... It's just nice to not have to censor myself because, because of the sponsor, because I'm frankly just not willing to do that anyway.
0: I'm going to give you a scenario. Okay. You're known in your Twitter universe for your magic. Considering mm-hmm. your first love is poker, mm-hmm. I'd like to give you a scenario. Remove all money, because money would obviously potentially change your opinion on this. I could put you at a top eight of a magic event or a final table in poker. Which would you choose and why? Ooh,
1: with no money involved?
0: No money. Let's just say you're playing for the title. Um I would
1: I would take the uh, poker still. Uh poker's, you know, it, like you said it's not only my first love as far as gaming and, and that kind of thing goes, but it 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 has a lot of value to me beyond the money. Um I mean, I can't lie. Like the reason I play for the most part these days is for the money, but I do still enjoy it and I consider it on a different level than magic, as far as seriousness and credibility goes, I don't know if that's the best way to put that, but that's that's kind of how my brain thinks about it. Like, if I were to win a gold bracelet at the World Series, that would be like an accomplishment that I would be uh, very like I would carry that for the rest of my life as like something that I did in my life. If I were to win a GP um, or maybe even a Pro Tour, um, it would be the same. I mean, uh, tr- I mean, it would mean a ton to me. But the the gold bracelet is kind of this mythical goal that I would love to reach where uh winning a pro tour is a goal that I have, but I don't know if I'm ever going to put in the effort needed to actually make a serious run at it. I mean, I guess if I quit my job or something, I could probably consider it. Stop playing poker, I could consider it. But these are things that I'm not willing to do. So when it comes to, like, what I'd rather have on my mantle, you know, when I'm an old man and don't play games anymore or something like that, I, I'd rather have the, the World Series bracelet, I think. Um, but I, I don't mean to disparage the magic side of it. I'm just being honest um, because, I mean, if I had a <laughs> Pro Tour trophy, I would be quite thrilled with that as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, it's a tough question. I, there's lots of ways of looking at it. There are people, obviously, we know in the community between Efro. David Williams that cross over
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you're in that kind of same position too have you had the opportunity to talk to them
1: uh, to Ephraim and, and yeah. Dave Williams? No um, well I've I've chatted with both of them briefly on Twitter um, but very limited conversations and I've never met any of them in re- well maybe I met Ephraim once but I've never actually like conversed with them in real life now I look forward to um, I don't think I've been to an event where uh, David Williams was there, or at least um, where I'd feel comfortable saying hi to him at the point. I think I probably would now, but I, at that point maybe I didn't. Um, but those guys, I mean, I have a lot of respect for both of their games. I mean, they're both very, very accomplished and and solid. I'd love to talk poker with them, frankly. Um, and then they're also just excellent Magic players. They're basically like my heroes you know in 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 as in the gaming world because they're better at the things that I strive to be good at in both categories and that impresses me because I try hard you know and so I have a lot of respect for for anybody that can become that good at both of these things and uh, I I really look forward to the day when I do get to sit down and chat with those guys because well they're like a lot like me you know I just I have a lot in common with the, with both of those guys and and there's a few other uh you know, ex-magic players or crossover magic players floating around the poker world as well. And and I just think I'd get along with any of them, you know, just because we all approach things in a similar fashion and probably have similar mindset on things.
0: So I'll go back to my previous question. If you could sit down and play 3v3 draft against them, or would you rather sit down and play poker with them?
1: Oh, I'd rather draft versus them. Uh, The main reason is just because poker... Um, is this kind of numbers game where, yes, you do have opportunities to outthink and outplay your opponent on a hand by hand basis, but uh, a lot of the strategy that comes in is, is in, in more of a bulk form. You, you kind of take a strategy that over the long term is going to win you the most money, but in the short term, it might win, it might lose. It just depends on what you do. You can't really get a whole lot out of that. Where with magic, There's a very dynamic, unique thing that happens when you do a a team draft or or something like that, where you know there's a lot of there's a lot of ups and downs throughout the course of the draft itself. There's the deck building, there's the team aspect, and then there's the games and how they play out. And that's just a lot more memorable than like sitting around playing poker for two or three hours, where it's like, well, this hand happened, that hand happened, and we moved on. Um, It's not that there's not interesting spots that can come up, and in Magic, there's like a hundred times more. So I'd much rather draft with them.
0: Well, that's what I wanted to ask about because when I view what you're doing, it's in many ways what they do except for you're more focused on magic and they're more focused on poker by that way. At least as the way I look at it because they've made poker their profession. Right. You have a job and other things like that. So, But I think this is... Is there anything else you want to add tonight at all? Anything you want to talk about? I mean, obviously, we talked about Working with Car Kingdom, we talked about both events you're going to be at. The nice run you had, obviously, at Grand Prix Austin, which for podcasters, I believe that would put you, for normal podcasters, I would believe that would put you at the highest finish out of anybody. I, think, I don't know. I think so. I think so. I'll take it. The only the only person I see that could challenge you on that throne would be Kyt, but you know, they got to let him out of Canada first. Oh
1: no, they, uh, they w- once they. uh once they banned Cobble, that end run, that that run ended. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get to make fun of KYT
0: when he's not even here. Gotta uh, love that. Uh, poor guy. Marshall Sutcliffe, to me, is one of the reasons why, in the podcasting community, things are good because of people like him. There are people that do things in life that don't think of themselves first. The whole reason for limited resources, like he said in the interview, was because he wanted to get Ryan an opportunity to work at Wizards, and that worked. And now karma has come around for him to be able to do GP Seattle, to be able to do covers for Star City Games, things that he's always wanted to do and things that he'll excel at. Take nothing away from his ability to play the game or to play poker. But I see nothing but great things from Marshall for here, now, and forward. And if you want to contact the show, you can contact the show's email at themenofmagic at gmail.com or on Twitter under themenofmagic or my personal account, The Beamy. Thank you for listening.